It's the most wonderful time. Yes, the most wonderful time. Oh, the most wonderful time of the year. Good morning, Simple Church. Where y'all at this morning? Come on, y'all. So glad to have you back. We're so thankful that you're in the room and we are thankful that you're watching. Let me go ahead and remind you right up front, man, December the 24th, Christmas Eve, we're going to be right back here at 2 o'clock and 4 o'clock. We'd love to have you. They got some amazing music. And because it's Dugan Dollar Day, you will see how it ties into what we're going to do on Christmas Eve. So thank you for being here. Thanks for watching. It just means the world to us. So we're having a little fun with this wonderful Christmas today. It is a play on words because you see the word one as opposed to the W leading it off. It's about the one today. And you will see as we go through this entire message why we chose to do it exactly the way we're doing it today. But before we get into that, let's have a little fun with uh, playing on the words with our favorite Christmas songs this time of year. Here is one of my favorites. a little bit more modern, but it goes right along with the theme today. Take it away, Paul. Yeah, come on. Anybody Paul McCartney fans out there? Where you at? Come on. Beatles fans. It's a little bit of play on words, but it's simply having a wonderful Christmas time. That's one very popular Christmas song with wonderful in it, but there's one that's even more popular. It's the most traditional. It's the one that everybody recognizes. But when I get finished with it, I want to know if you know who it is that's singing it. Here it is. It's the most wonderful time. Take it away. It's the most wonderful time of the Mistletoeing and hearts will be glowing when loved ones are near. It's the most wonderful time. Yes, the most wonderful time. Oh, the most wonderful time of the year. Come on, y'all, give it up right there. A little wonderful time. Anybody know who that is? Andy Williams, man, you are an old crowd. All right, moving on. I was just joking at the earlier hour, like, who is that? And there was like no one in here it was crickets, you know? And then one person, Andy Williams. I was like, I have no idea who that is. But you can tell by the high quality video, like the 320, you know, resolution right there. It's old, son, but it's a classic, and it is a great reminder of what this season is all about. We are celebrating the wonderful one. Can I get an amen on that? That's what it's about. It's about Jesus. It's about celebrating who he is and what he brought to this place we call earth that we know we need some encouragement. We need that wonderful love that he brings. And in Isaiah, you see this passage that reminds us. It says, for unto us a child is born... Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and this will be his royal title. You right there. You ready? Wonderful. There is no doubt about it. Counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and then Prince of, what do we say? Yeah, Prince of Peace. But the one that jumps out at me today is, well, if I'll see it, is wonderful. But good. But as I see these words pop up on the screen and pop away from the screen, it reminds me 
of why today is so important because it is a wonderful time of year. Luke chapter 1 verse 30, find the word again. Don't be frightened, Mary, because the angel Lord told her, for God has decided to wonderfully bless you. Over and over in scripture, you see these same words being used when it comes to what Christ has done for us. And we have all been blessed by Jesus. And one thing that I think we all can agree on, there is no other God like him. He is truly a one-of-a-kind God. And Exodus reminds us of that. When you look in 15, it says, Are there any gods like the Lord? No, there are no gods like him because you are wonderfully holy, amazingly powerful, and you do great miracles. Now, I don't know about you, but I need a God who can do what no one else can do. I need the one-of-a-kind God because it doesn't take long walking on this planet, living in the world that we're living in to realize that there's a lot of problems out there. I've noticed it. I am sure you've noticed it. It doesn't take long to get overwhelmed by those problems. For example, here's a little image I'm going to put on the screen for you that I just thought about when I saw everything that's going on from Kentucky to the people that are still struggling with COVID up in the north to the divorce rate to kids that are starving. There's so many different issues that many times we try to ignore or we try to get away from, but it's happening. And so when you read a passage where it says, man, we have a wonderful God. He is the counselor. He is the prince of peace. He is amazingly powerful. We've got to be reminded, particularly at a time like Christmas, to say, you know what? I know it gets overwhelming. I know there's a lot going on, but man, what an awesome God we have. Because I think when I talk about being overwhelmed, this kind of stuff right here does overwhelm us. And back in the day, you did not know about all that was going on in the world. When I was thinking about growing up in the 70s or in the 80s, man, you had to watch the news and most of us didn't have time for that. But now, in today's world, you'll see a phone that'll come up and you could be taking a phone call or trying to text someone and a news story comes through. And it gets your attention because it reminds you of some tragic or difficult circumstance or situation. Happened to me this morning right before I got here, uh, I did not have my phone on last night. I had gone to bed. We'd been out of town, kind of running around doing a lot of errands. And when I got there, my buddy Putt sent me a message because one of the guys that's training his son, Miles, uh, he's in the AKA fights and all this stuff. And we go into the AKA fights. We see him all the time. He's a Bossier uh, Paris fireman, was tragically killed yesterday. And in an accident, the tire blew up. And I'm thinking, golly, man, how in the world does this happen? And then your mind gets going down that road. You see the information. It was on your phone, and now you can't help but think about them and pray for them and worry about that circumstance or that situation. And then you got to go back. God, you're able. You're powerful. You're a counselor. You're the prince of peace. God, I know they need it now. Help them. So then if you happen to be able to put your phone away and you try to go to your desktop to get it updated on your email or find out what's going on, the next thing you know, it could be your laptop, it could be your iPad, and more information comes in. And it starts overwhelming you and wearing you out. And then if you were trying to escape from it all and say, I'm going to rest a little bit and just look at Facebook, how'd that go for you? You know what I'm saying? Because as you already know, now it's not just world problems. It's the divorce. It's the sickness. I have a dear friend, Randy, who's battling cancer right now. I've been there with him this week. And many people on Facebook are talking about that. He went to Southwood with us, and he's very close to passing away. It's been a long battle with liver cancer, and it's been tough on us. I mean, people are rallying around him. We're in the room. But then I know Facebook is one of those things. You may not know about it, but then if you go there, you're reminded of circumstances or situations that you might not know all the details on. And to be honest, you get overloaded with it. 
And in 2021, we all, I think, would agree with this as well, that we have an information overload. Whether it's the local news, the world news, whether it's Facebook, your phone, it all just keeps coming at you. And while I was researching this whole series, you know, or such say this sermon, I ran across uh, Denzel Washington. Anybody know Denzel? Y'all love some Denzel? Come on, man. Everybody loves Denzel. Man, strong Christian man. He's an awesome example. I mean, he really does. I mean, he doesn't just talk about it. He does it. But in this interview, it was with the BBC over in England. And in the interview, he talks about being overloaded with information. It fits perfectly what I was walking through and thinking about in my mind. And I want to take you there because it's not just an American problem. It even affects the world. Watch. So what is the long-term effect of too much information? The polarization of the electorate? A meaner spiritness? And false information as well because the, all the whole of, fake news pick thing. One, pick one. It's not just one. That's the flavor of the day. Every day is something else. People have to understand, are you using your device or is your device using you? Can you put it down? Can you turn it off? You're talking about literally the places people All get their information, information from. I don't care what, what information. Pick one. Phone, television, you know. It used to be news. Now it's opinions. Oh, glasses. We have three experts on the right, three on the left. Let's discuss. Ooh, light bulbs. We have three experts on the right. That's not news. That's opinions. Well, over and over and over. Cycle, 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 cycle. What is the long-term effect of too much information? If you're sitting there and you're thinking it's the gospel, what I'm saying to people is, to all of us, I'm not knocking the phone. What I'm saying is we have to understand. We have to at least ask ourselves around the world, you here in England, wherever you are, what is it doing to us? I don't know about you, but when I saw the video, I thought, what is the effect on us? I think what the effect is that many of us withdraw. So if you have a problem or if you have a circumstance or a situation, we just kind of ignore it. One example would be we turn the TV off. You remember back in the day, and they still have them some, but they would have videos or images of kids that were starving around the world. And I know personally, I'd go, man, I'm trying to watch the game. I don't want to. And I would turn the channel. I didn't want to look at that. And then I think about people coming to church. It's like, Simpletures always talk about helping somebody. I just need to find another church where I ain't got to listen to all that. Or you just ignore it. If your friends are talking about it or your you know, office is trying to figure out some way to help, you just kind of go, I'm not going to get involved in that. And then I thought through, why do we ignore it? I think one of the reasons I ignored it, for example, turning the channel when I was watching a kid on television, I was like, what can I do about that? My whole thought process was literally coming back and thinking, what in the world can I do about this one circumstance or this one situation? And so as I struggle with that, I have a feeling I'm not the only one. I have a feeling that in this room, when you're overloaded with information and it's all coming at you, you have a tendency to shut down and withdraw as well. And then you have a passage like Galatians we're fixing to look at. Paul's writing to the church. And he's giving them some encouragement. He's trying to challenge them. He's trying to remind them of something very important. When he says this in Galatians 6, 9, you must not get tired of doing good. Because the truth is it's difficult. It's challenging. When you're feeding people or you're meeting needs or you're going to visit someone who's dying or you see someone that is going through a divorce and you're trying to help, it is tiring. But he says, don't get tired of it. Don't get tired of doing good because 
in time you will have a harvest eternal life and you just can't give up I know that 14 years of Simple Church we've done a lot we try to do a lot and we try to have an impact we try not to just have church to sing and here's a sermon and have a good day y'all go eat and just forget about it all no our goal is our plan is the strategy is is that you would get involved that you would make these scriptures come alive that you would not get tired of doing good and that you would find a way and say I'm not gonna give up I'm gonna do what I can and Paul was saying when it's tough don't you dare disengage don't you pull away Galatians 6 10 the next verse gives you the whole insight of today is when you have the opportunity to do good to anyone we should do it see this right here is the simple church really wrapped up in a nutshell we believe that because the wonderful one Jesus came to this earth and served and gave his life he became a servant to the point of dying to himself shedding his blood so that we could have a fresh start and a new beginning and what do we do with that fresh start and that new beginning we have the opportunity now to share that love of Christ with anyone and everyone and when the problems are piling up, when it's getting darker and darker in the world, we're called to be a brighter light. Not just through the songs that we sing, not just through the sermons that we preach, but through you, through your life, through what we're calling you to do is look for the opportunity to do good to anyone that you find out on the streets, in your workplace, in your school. You should be looking and you should be doing it. And then when you can't do it all, at least do something for someone because truthfully in simple church we talk about it. we can't solve all the problems and we put love God love people solve problems but then when we start looking at all the problems some people are going oh my gosh we'll never make a dent it's never gonna have a big impact like this is so overwhelming but the truth of what we're trying to drive home for all of us in this room is this there's gonna be an opportunity in the next seven days there's gonna be an opportunity today to do good to someone don't get tired, don't give up, don't get disengage, but no, you seize that opportunity. And then you go, well, what do I do? I mean, who do I help? This is the challenge for us too because there's a lot of problems and you can get overwhelmed with that. I have learned the simplicity of just help the person in front of you. Start with the one that is in front of you. You go like, well, how am I supposed to know who I'm supposed to help? How am I supposed to know what I'm supposed to do? Well, just start simple. Start with the person that you interact with and God says, this is your opportunity. And Jesus was great at this. He was not good at it. He was great at it. Can you imagine just for a second, go back thousands of years into the moment when Jesus is walking this planet. Imagine the problems that he encountered. Imagine how overwhelming it was. Just think about sickness 2,000 years ago. No doctors, no medicines, I mean, no clinics to go to. It had to be overwhelming, especially when you think about a disease like leprosy. We don't have it anymore, thank God. Technology, things have gone on. There's all kind of ways that we're moving and advancing in medicine. But back then, these were the images that they saw everywhere. Scary, difficult People ostracized, people left alone, people thrown on islands to get away from everybody else because just a simple touch of them ruins your life. It's that contagious. And we talk about in our culture, we've seen when something comes in our culture, we already get divided over it. Can you imagine back in the day, this is why 
The church was even saying, don't touch them. Stay away from them. They're unclean. It's their sin that caused this problem. Why? Because it was convenient. Because if they came into the church, oh, Lord, can you imagine what it would have done? But this is why I love Jesus. There are no hospitals. There's no medications that can fix that. And I don't know about you. I get mad when I go to my cabinet and I run out of Advil. My back's hurting today. Or if I go eat too much and there's no Tums in the cabinet, I get mad when I can't find it. Back then, there was no medicine cabinet. There were no doctors. There were no way to run to. They had to literally figure it out on their own. And in the midst of all of that chaos, sickness, disease, overwhelming, poverty, everywhere, Jesus steps into that world, overwhelming world. And look what he does, Matthew 8. Jesus came down from the hill and a large crowd followed him once again. Jesus is walking around and all these people start gathering with all their problems and all their issues because, man, they've known who he is. The stories are spreading and it's piling up on him. But then a sick man with leprosy came to him. The man bowed down, right? And he said to Jesus, Lord, you have the power to heal me if you want to. And Jesus touched the man and he said to him, I want to heal you. Be healed. And immediately the man was healed from his leprosy. Now what trips me out about this, what about the thousands? What about all those other problems? You know that there's somebody, hey man, I appreciate you focusing on him dude, but I'm having a bad day. Hey man, I'm going through this. My family needs this. All this is going on. But what did Jesus do? He focused on the one right in front of him. And that is our call. It is overwhelming. There is so many circumstances. There are so many circumstances and issues that are bombarding all of us. But here is our opportunity. Will you focus on the one in front of you? And the question that really the guy asked Jesus, like, Jesus, if you want to, is the same question I'd ask you is, if you have the want to, there is a way to. One of the guys that I counseled in some pre-marriage stuff, he came in, he was an oil field guy, and he used to always pick with me. And he'd be like, Justin, if there's a want to, there's a way to, brother. If there's a want to, there's a way to. You got to want it. You got to want it. And they're talking about the oil field, how difficult it is, how challenging it is, how overwhelming. You're separated from your family. It's long days. And he's like, you got to want it. But if there's a want to, there's a way to. Well, here's the irony. It's the same way in following Christ. If you want to, there's a way to. To do good for one. If you want to have an impact, if you want to challenge someone, if you want to impact someone's life, there is a way to. And how did he do it? He focused on the one in front of him. Now, I've got another example for you. And this is John chapter 4, verse 4. Jesus had to go through Samaria. Now, a little bit of a background on that. Some of the scholars, the biblical scholars, look at all that and they read all this. They're like, what do you mean he had to go through? Is it the only route? Is it the only way he could go? No. There were other routes, but many believe that when you see this phrase, he had to go through Samaria, the reason he had to was for the one. Well, you go, what do you mean? Well, he had to go through Samaria, but you got to understand Samaria as well. Samaria is the worst of the worst. Whatever part of town you don't like, whatever part of the U.S. that you think's bad, this is it. Samaria is the half-breeds. It's the outcast. It's the overlooked. It's the broken. It's the forgotten. And Jesus had to go through Samaria. As a matter of fact, so much so that it would aggravate the disciples. 
Like, we ain't got to go this way. Why are you choosing to go this way? Can't we go a different route? No, Jesus had to go through there. Well, the reason is simple. It is for one woman. This woman is known as the woman at the well. And what you'll have to realize about this woman is she was not a godly woman at the moment. At the moment, she was trying to cover up all of the things that were going on in her life. And in the interaction with Jesus, Jesus changed his plans. He redirected to get to the well to meet with this one woman. You're not supposed to talk to a woman in their time. You're not supposed to talk to a Samaritan at this time. Also, just a little sidebar, the good Samaritan, what makes that so funny is in our culture, we just go, oh, it's the good Samaritan. But in their culture, there was no way a Samaritan could be good. They're the ones you hate. They're the half-breeds. They're the outcast. And Jesus makes the hero of his story a Samaritan for a purpose, to kind of get us our minds refocused on who is your outcast? Who's the person you overlook? Who is the person that you reject? Who's the person you go, I can't believe they're here. I can't believe they're coming to church. I can't believe that God could even do anything in their life. That's who Jesus loves. That's who he hangs out with. As a matter of fact, that's who this woman was. See, she had five husbands. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a lot. And so in that whole interaction, she was trying to play the game, and Jesus was like, he knew. But yet he chose to sit with her and talk to her and work through. And as he's involved in this conversation, if you want to know how bad it was, all you have to do is look at John 4, 27, when the disciples walk up on it. Just then the disciples come back, and they were shocked. See, it would be like me going out, out in the streets, and all of a sudden you know this prostitute's out there. And you know she's a lady of the night. And all of a sudden you see me just hanging out and eating. Hey, yeah, we're laughing. Hey, well, what's going on? You're like, you're like, oh, my Lord, is that the pastor? Is he on Sprague Street? That is horrible. <laughs> They're shocked. They couldn't believe that he was talking with that kind of a woman. That's why, you, that's why I love Jesus, man. I didn't get this in church because the church was the opposite of Jesus that I grew up in. They talked about people. They made fun of people. If somebody came in, they snickered, oh, my God, I can't believe they're here. Did you hear what they did last night? Oh, my gosh, that person, oh, my gosh, this is that. You know this is the truth. But the irony is we're supposed to be like Jesus who says and demonstrates and shows us what he does. He goes to that kind of woman, and no one said what they were all thinking, but their faces showed it. That means they're really good church people. The whole idea was just like, I cannot believe he's doing this. She's a Samaritan. She's a woman. She has five husbands. Jesus, what are you doing? And once again, me and you, we tend to avoid messy situations, but not Jesus. Everything about him runs to the mess. And it's not just the mess of the large crowd, it's the mess of your life and of my life. It's for the one. See, Jesus goes out of his way for the one. He doesn't just go, hey, man, I'm just going to kind of work through this and whatever's convenient. No, I have to go through Samaria. I have to sit at this well, and I have to talk to this woman. Because I need to remind her of her value and of her worth. And this is probably going to blow your mind because it really does kind of trip you out when you think about it. 
is that Jesus revealed for the first time to anyone that he was the Messiah to that woman. Think about that. He could have done it in any way, form, or fashion. Go look it up. But he didn't. He chose her. You are also familiar with the passage, aren't you, that Jesus left the 99 for the one? I mean, this is his whole concept of going, hey, wouldn't it be amazing if you were so concerned and so much like Jesus that it wouldn't be about the safety of the 99. It wouldn't be about the comfort of the 99. It would be about going to the one, no matter what that looked like. Last week, we were at the Hearst Coliseum. The rumor was some weren't going to go there because it was in Shreveport, and that's a bad part of town. It's the truth. And all I can say about that is, breaks my heart. Because we need you. We need somebody. We need a lot of somebodies to say, I'm willing to do what Jesus asked me to do. Even if it's for the one. But now last week it was for 81,000 people to receive a meal. Can we get a little love on that? 81,000 people. So here's what I'm challenging you with. It's not going to get comfortable. It's not going to get easy. It's going to be pushing you just a little bit to go somewhere that you're not comfortable with. Why? Because it might just change one person's life. And then guess what happens? After you have this interaction and after you do good for the one, after you serve them, it impacts them at such a level that it has a literal echo effect, a ripple effect. It begins to just echo through the community. It begins to ripple through the world. John 4 continues on. The woman left her water jar beside the well. Now, ironically, that was what she came there for, but the meeting was so impactful if she was like, I'm done with getting water, I got to run back to the people and tell everyone, not just one, not just my family, tell everybody that I can see, you got to see this. Come and see about this man who knew everything about me. He knows me inside and out. And you know why she was saying that? Because y'all do too and you judge me. But he knows me inside and out and he sat with me and he talked to me about worship. And he talked to me about how to live a life. And he told me he's the Messiah. you got to be a part of this. And what hits me is when you do for one, it affects many other people. When Jesus sat with the one, when Jesus heals the one, he knew that that interaction would impact many other people. This past week, I got that reminder when I was in Doleen with a life group that does bikes every year. And every Christmas, we do about 150 to 200 bikes into the community. And it's a lot of numbers. It's 200, and over the last eight years, nearly 1,000 bikes have been given away to kids, so it's always like, man, that's, that's pretty cool. But what you forget, it's not about the sheer number. It's about the one person that gets it. So I'm going to play the video for you again because I filmed this myself, bad quality, but you'll work with it. It's on my phone. But look at the faces and listen to the stories of all of these bikes going out. It really was impacting one person, one family at a time. Watch. Have a holly jolly Christmas. It's the best time of the year. I don't know if there'll be snow, but have a cup of cheer. Have a holly jolly Christmas. And when you 
both my kids got to draw Macy Hare and Riley Matthews receiving free bikes for Christmas, and it's a blessing because they wanted a free bike for Christmas on their Christmas list. Thank you all so much. How exciting is this? He is very exciting. He's jumping out the ramp. He's making a ramp already. Hope we make it to Christmas. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's great. It's great. It's always very good. Like I said, uh, seeing all the kids with smiles on their face, not expecting it. You know, we just glad to be out here to do this for these kids. Perfect. Seeing the joy on the kids' faces, that's the important part right there, you know? It's the man, this is the culmination of the year, and this is what it's all about. <laughs> My favorite part in that video is the, Leah, y'all give him a little love. Is that one lady, she said, he overlaid it. I don't even know if y'all know that. That's a Southwood word right there, son. Overlaid because they were so overwhelmed that they told everybody. The whole community started coming. I mean, it was a very powerful moment and I was the one blessed because I got to go and I'm thinking oh, I could have slept in that day I'm thinking I got other things I got to do but I'm going God thank you man and to the city of Doline that's just one man what a great group of people they were all so kind and so full of joy and so grateful and then it began to impact other people and you're going all right Lord I get it and if you're trying to still figure it out I get that as well I'll give you another story then while we were in church a couple of weeks ago, a guy walks up to me after the service, and he had an envelope. He said, hey, man, this is for bikes. Now, typically, he's thinking of this, children's bikes. So I took it, went to the office. It was a couple hundred dollars. I get back to the office, and while I sit down, uh, I had the envelope on my desk. I hear Brian talking next door to me in his office, and he's going through the story. And I said, what's going on? He said, man, there's, one, there's an adult that needs a bike. Here's a picture of this fella, just so you can kind of see. And he's like, he's trying to get a bike to go to work, and he's trying to get all this kind of stuff. And I said, it's funny, man. This guy walked up to me at church, and he gave me. So I said, here, take the money. Brian went and took that green envelope, took the money, went and bought this guy a bike. And then all of his friends began to say, like, man, that had an impact. And then watch this guy ride off into the sunset, son. I got a picture for you. That's what I'm talking about. And I'm thinking, while the person was sitting out here, they never knew or never thought that that's exactly what was going to happen. But God knew there was going to be one adult that was in need. And it was very weird to me that the amount of money that he gave in the envelope was the price of the bike and the helmet and all the stuff that we gave. And we're like going, all right, God, we get it. You do care about the one. It is about being obedient. It is about saying, hey, I'm supposed to give this and this is what it's going to go to. Because if you're not, then, man, you can miss that blessing. There's another reminder, too, when we met with the guy from Mission of Hope. We did the 81,000 meals last week while we were down at the Hirsch. And it reminded me of child sponsorship. And I put this picture up here because of the way that they set it in this one image. It's one child. It's this idea that one child, and I thought about 81,000 people will be impacted by a meal. But can you imagine if you're trying to figure out what to do this year and how you can help and you're looking for a way to give, maybe when you walk out there, we have a little table out there, as soon as you got it to the right, where Mission of Hope, back to sponsoring kids in Haiti, you have an opportunity today. You have an opportunity to go, all right, I've never done that before, but maybe this is my chance. Maybe this is what I do. And then in the end, it won't be just that child that is affected. It's their family and it's their village. Now, you don't have to. You don't have to do any of these things. But when I look back at my life and I think of all of the times that God asked me to do it, 
you realize the lasting and uh, the huge impact that it has. We sponsor a lot of kids around the world. And I realize when we go into Haiti or Africa, what impact it makes. So this is just another chance. When they change 410, change some of the sponsorship stuff around, we're going with Mission of Hope so that we can stay in Haiti. So we continue to have an impact as we make those trips. And who knows, maybe one day you'll go meet your kid and go, now I know. Because it wasn't just for that one child, it was for their family as well. And speaking of families, there's a family in Benton that we heard about that was in a bind. They go to Simple Church, had some tragic stuff happen in their life. And I called a good friend of ours right here in Shreveport from Lawmasters, Jason Wynn and those guys. They have a tendency every year to call me and go, hey, man, can we light up somebody's house this year? Do you have someone in need? Can't do everybody, but we can focus on one. And I said, well, the Mayfields are the perfect one. And here's a little video to remind you once again, maybe as a company, maybe as an individual, maybe as a family, how focusing on one can make a huge difference. Watch. Hey, I'm here because today our friends at Lawn Masters are going to hook up some Christmas cheer with the Mayfields. The Mayfields are a family that go to the Simple Church and their infant son, Cole, went through an unbelievable tragedy this past year. He's been in the hospital, he's gone through and had health complications. So our friends at Lawn Masters today wanted to do some good and put on some lights and get them ready for Christmas. Let's see how they do it. Well, it really just comes down to if everybody does a little bit, you know, if everybody does one small part, um, to help the community, it makes a big impact. For sure, I mean, we can't light up the entire city of Shreveport, Bossier, Benton, which is actually where we're at. So, um, you know, if we can just help one of our neighbors and one of our, our brothers or sisters in Christ, it, it makes all the difference in the world. Come on, y'all, give them a little love. Company doing some good as well. Well, why do I show that to you? It's because some of you own companies. Some of you have businesses and you're going, well, does it really matter, Justin? Does it have an impact? Well, I got the text from the Mayfields when they got home from New Orleans because they finally were able to come home for Christmas. And when they pulled in the driveway, the house is lit up. All of the things that they had hoped would be taken care of were taken care of. Putt Putman, my good buddy at Putman Restorations, he came in and cleaned the house. Many of you gave money. We put money and filled their pantries with food. People bought them gifts. We gave them uh, some money to help them their gifts. And here's what she said. She said, when we got home, I just want you to know that I love it all. The lights were beautiful. I was excited to see that we even got an FX box because we try to give those to kids and help them with their families. When the pantry was full, my house was clean. It made it so easy when we got home. Just please tell everyone thank you for all that you've done. We love y'all. You can't do it for everyone. But you can do it for the one that's in front of you and you see that there's a need. And you go, what do I need to do, Lord, to take care of this one circumstance or this one situation? Sometimes it is a business. Sometimes it is a life group as those bikes for those kids in Doline. But sometimes it's a family and sometimes it's an individual. And the one thing about the Simple Church, why we do a do-good dollar day like today is we ask you to give that dollar for one reason. We put all of that money together and we do something that none of us could do by ourselves. And last, well, about five years ago, I was going to say last year, we do it every year, but five years ago, I want to update you on a story that's pretty cool of what happens when we all come together to do something that none of us could do by ourselves. This is a story that Brian's going to tell you about a girl named Jessica and why doing for one really does matter. Watch. Simple Church, because of your generosity, five years ago today, we were able to do for one what we wish we could do for everyone. Today we want to catch you up on Jessica's story. 
I was riding the city bus to work. I was working at Nukes Eatery. Um, and one day, a friend of mine, Celeste, called and was like, hey, we kind of want to do a little story on you. So I show up and I tell my story. I tell what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. Then you guys surprised me at work with a vehicle and insurance and Christmas. And that was the first time in my life I had felt seen. That was the first time in my life I knew that everything was gonna be okay. Getting that vehicle put the rest of the puzzle pieces in place for me. It wasn't just a vehicle. That vehicle helped me take women to meetings, be of service to others, to help people who needed help. In the last five years, a lot has happened, you know? I got custody of Riley back. I moved into a bigger apartment. And then one day I got a phone call and everybody's like, hey, Oakwood's looking for a director. Um, have you put your resume in for Oakwood? And I'm like, why would Oakwood hire somebody like me? And that just stemmed from where I had put myself with no self-worth. Even without drugs and alcohol, you still have to be of service to others. You still have to push forward. You still have to do all of those things because if not, you'll fall right back to where you came from. If you're feeling bad, get out of yourself. Find somebody who could use your help and be a service. That's a surefire way to get through a bad time. In August is when they contacted me about Oakwood. I came for the interview and they hired me. I never thought in a million years that I would be what they were looking for to run this place. I did not ever know that my life could come complete full circle, you know, from living here to helping women do what people did for me. Everything happens for a reason. And today I see it. Like, I don't think anybody would be better to help these women. So at any point when you feel low or feel not okay, go help somebody. Come on, give it up for Jessica. How cool is that? <laughs> Giving this lady that car right there in the midst of all that's going on. And it was because we knew someone told us. It changed everything in her life, and then it had a lasting impact on so many other people. If you have a car you want to donate, we take those too. And you go, well, what do you do with them? We find people in need, and we handle the one that's right in front of us, the single mom, the person that's in a bind that you may never know about. So when you're figuring out what to do with all those things, maybe that's part of it. Doesn't seem like it's a lot, but let me tell you something. If you're in that circumstance or a situation, it means a whole lot. Well, the good news is at the 9 o'clock hour, we had this picture she sent it in. She said, hey, driving my kids to church today. Think about if we didn't do it. Jessica's like, man, look at this. Do good, the simple church. I'm thinking in my mind, how awesome is it when we get to be a part of helping someone? And then there's that ripple effect that helps so many other people. I was watching the movie this past week. Spider-Man came out. Y'all know that? So my family loves movies. We go see Spider-Man. I'm not going to blow it. No spoilers here. But in the movie, somewhere in the movie, this phrase comes up. And I was like, well, this is apropos. When you help someone, you help everyone. And I kind of laughed at myself because I'm like, there's Hollywood going, hey, don't forget, there's something bigger than you. It's when you help someone, you have this lasting effect, a bigger effect on other people. But I know how you are and I know how many people are. They're skeptics. 
They're kind of negative. Sometimes we can go, yeah, well, you know, it's not fair. We, what, we, we can't do it for this one. We can't do it for that one. And if I can't do for everyone, you'll say a phrase like this. Well, then, I can't do for no one. If I can't help everybody, I'm not going to help anybody. And here's the problem with that. You ready? There's some scripture problems. James 4, 17. This is going to mess with you. So then, if we do not do the good that we know we should do, we are guilty of what? Sin. So the idea is like you know you're supposed to do something, but you go, no, I'm not going to do that. He's like going, hey, man, that grieves the heart of God. And I have been there. I don't want to do that. It breaks his heart. Here's another one, 1 John 3, 16. If you see your brother or sister in need and you have the means to do something about it, but you turn a cold shoulder and do nothing, what happens to God's love in that moment? It disappears and you made it disappear. This is why life groups give bikes. This is why... People donate cars, and we find those people to give them to. This is why you give a dollar today. It's because when we put all that together, we try to find some way to do good, to meet the need, to have an effect on the person, but also a lasting effect on many others. Because Philippians tells us to do it like this. It says, if you show your love for each other, that's what matters. It's not just talking about it. It's showing your love. Be united in your goals. That's why when we come together on a Do Good Dollar Day, all those individual dollars pile together to do something none of us could do by ourselves. But then whatever you do, don't let selfishness or pride be your guide. Man, it was so easy to go, oh, I just don't think I can do that, or I, I'm, we don't need to do that. And both of those words, selfishness and pride, are powerful in our lives. But then he challenges, says, honor others more than yourselves. Put someone else in front of you. Don't be interested in your own life, but care about the lives of other people. Simple Church has not got it all figured out. We're not perfect. But one thing that I love is that you get it, that you are getting it, and that we're pushing for more of us to get it because it can have a lasting impact on our city, on our families, on the world. When I saw this last video that I'm going to show you, uh, I actually put it in December 5th's message. So if you were one of the few that watched the message that I created when we were out doing good and you did go ahead and watch online, it's a repeat for you. But for the rest of us, they go, man, I didn't have time. If I'm not here, I don't watch it. This is one of my favorites because it is exactly what we're talking about today. It is doing good for the person in front of you one person at a time and then it has a lasting eternal effect a big effect not just on the people but on you as well what am I talking about my associate pastor Steve Hartman that's what I'm talking about one of my favorites watch ma'am how are you doing today you ready for Christmas a lot of people ignore the homeless but folks rushing past Moses today, elder may regret their haste I'm blowing it because this week, all people had to do was pay him some attention. Ladies! And he would pay them back in Benjamins. So there's $100 for you. You can imagine the shock. $100 for you. Thank you. Oh, that's, that's what Christmas is all about. Moses's mission was financed by Secret Santa. Merry Christmas to you, sweetie. The same anonymous wealthy <laughs> businessman who every year goes around the country handing out $100 bills to random strangers. Know what to do with this? But this holiday season, in addition to his normal giving, he came here to Phoenix. Morning. Good morning. And recruited this most unlikely homeless elf. I want to enlist you to help me. Can we do that? <laughs> yes. All right. Oh, so, man. so here's what we're going to do. One. He gave Moses about $3,000 with the instruction to give it away to whoever he saw fit. I think this will be a, a joyful experience for him. You know, it's a myth that, you know, the homeless 
to just take. From my experience, the people with the least give the most of what they have. We saw that too. Uh, hey, come here for a minute. Come here. Danny McCoy put change in the cup, even though he has seven kids. And until this moment, this is $100 for you, sir, for showing your kind heart. Had no idea how he was going to buy Christmas presents. I'm eternally grateful for for what he did. You are looking for a job? And that's the kind of relief Moses brought to so many here. You had that for me. Most of those he blessed were strangers who just happened by. God bless you. But not all. We love you. Don't you ever forget that. He gave this guy from church $400. He gave this homeless mother of five $500. And remember, people appreciate you with your caring, giving heart that you take care of your kids the way you do. Thank you. Okay? Of course, in the end, Secret Santa also gave Moses some money to keep for himself. This here is a new beginning for me. But he says that reward pales to the joy he received from helping others. Today we changed a lot of people's lives, but I believe my life has changed the most. God bless us both. He says even when you're homeless, it feels so much better to give than receive. Y'all don't know, I'm happier than y'all. You know, kindness is a bridge between all people. And so if you're ever down and you want to lift yourself up, go do something kind for somebody. Maybe that'll help you. It'll make you feel like way more than a hundred bucks. There you go. Yeah, that's okay. Come on, y'all. Give it up for Steve. People are always trying to figure out, like, why does a simple church do what it does? That is just one example. It really does do more for us than we possibly could do for the people. But why does a business like Lawmasters or Putman or a life group, why do we all come together? Why do we go pack meals? I mean, there were teams there. Airline baseball showed up to pack meals. Benton soccer was there. Why in the world would we give kids these opportunities? Because we believe that when we do these things that the Scripture calls us to do, we're the ones that are changed. And when we do that, the love of Christ is present in a world that is full of and overwhelmed by problems. And when you know Jesus, I don't want you to disengage. I don't want you to get tired of doing good. I want you to, just as Paul wrote, when you have the opportunity. And just like Jesus did, when that opportunity is standing in front of you, focus on the one in front of you. Do good for one. Not making excuses, not saying, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know what's going to happen with this. Is Lord, you're talking to me. Here's my opportunity. We have seven days till Christmas. So here's the question. Will you do good for one? Will you walk out of here and go, all right, maybe it is sponsoring a child. And you go, you know what? This is a pretty easy thing to do. You're going to walk out of here and right at that little table, you can go, man, I can do that. So some of you go, man, that's a little out of my price range. I'm not going to do that. That's cool. Maybe it's the dollar that you can go, man, I will give a dollar because I want to see what you're going to do on Christmas Eve when we put all this together. I can promise you one of the greatest joys in our life is whenever we get to go bless and come up with ways to do good and honor Christ in the way that you allow us to do through your giving. But maybe in addition to that, you want to do something with your family or your team or your group. And here's the thing. Share the picture and share the story. Why? Because we want to include it in the Christmas Eve walk-in. We want people to be able to see the different things that are going on. So that Christmas, when you're looking for hope and you're needing encouragement, we got two services, 2 o'clock and 4 o'clock. And either one, when you're walking in, you'll be able to see all the different things that are happening. We're going to have fun. There's always fun when we get together. You know that. 
But we're also going to do something special with this giving today. We're going to worship. Yeah, we're going to sing worship songs, but I'm going to give you Romans 12 worship, which is way better in my opinion. Offer your life as a living sacrifice to God. Dedicated to his service and pleasing to him because this is true worship. See, we talk about singing, we talk about listening to sermons, and all those things are great. But to be honest, man, when we were packing food, when we were out doing good in the community at Crestville Elementary or Walmart parking lot on DC, dude, I'm telling you, there's nothing like that kind of worship. And I'm telling you, you can experience it. That it is available. It is uh, here today. It is in the middle of the mess because our Savior Jesus, the wonderful one, came to this mess for me and you. In a couple of minutes, we're actually going to baptize right after this service. We do it every year around Christmas. We're going to set up over here in between these halls. And if you're one of these people go, man, I've always wanted to do that. And you go, well, how am I going to make that happen? It's going to be available. We'll give you some towels. I'll give you whatever you got to have. Man, I'll give you this shirt, son. This is a smooth shirt. You can have that when you walk out of here. But I don't want you to miss that opportunity to go, this is my chance. To serve, to give, to maybe go public with my decision to follow. Because on this Christmas, this is one day, one chance, one opportunity to change not only your life, but to change the world, the city that we live in. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray that right now, if there's someone here that is looking for the hope that is found in you, I pray that they would see who you are, that you come to the broken. They don't have to have it all together. You came to the lady at the well, man, when she didn't have anything together, and you showed her how much you love. Lord, when we have our life in a mess, God, you're the one that comes up and says, I want to heal you. I want to help you. Let someone today that's never heard it, maybe for the first time, maybe they grew up in church and they've been burnt and they're frustrated, let them receive who you are, the free gift from the wonderful one. You shed your blood, you died on the cross, but God, you had the power to rise again to remind us that we will rise again. And when we come out of that grave and we're living this new life, God, that new life is not about what we get, it's about what we give. Because when we give, just like we see in these videos, just like we see in these stories, it changes us and it has an impact, a lasting impact, not just on us, but on the whole world. Thank you for giving us that example. Lord, I pray as someone asks you to come to their life now, God, that you would give them the courage to go public, whether it's today or whether it's next month or whenever. I want them to experience the joy of being associated with you the way that we all have. I thank you, Jesus, for who you are. I thank you for the giving that they're going to give today, even the dollar or whatever it is. God, we promise that we give all that away to help other people. You know our heart. Help us, God, to do more good this year. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Can I get an amen somewhere? Come on.